Well, when I'm in VR, I definitely feel like, okay, I'm, I'm with the other people that are in here. We're giving each other high fives. Um, I'm able to see their mouths moving, their virtual mouths moving when they talk. If they walk, you know, virtually walk up to me, I, I feel that presence, even though I'm just an avatar. Hey guys, and welcome to episode number five of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and I am coming to you guys today from Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's my first time being here, and I'm really pumped because I've heard a lot of really great things uh, about this city. Uh, we came down here this weekend because my girlfriend's job is putting on an event here, and so so uh, I came along. I can never say no to uh, a new place to go visit. So I'm down here with her, and uh, I just stole a couple of minutes away uh, while she's working to come up here and record the intro to this episode. But I'm going to jump in here into the episode in a second. But I just have to tell you guys, uh, I'm up here in our room and just looking out the window. And while I've been setting up to record this episode, uh, it was super sunny when I started. And then these clouds like rolled over the entire area. Like as far as I can see, it was really cool to watch. Uh, I didn't get a chance to take a picture of it, but it just rolled over the entire area and it is now pouring rain outside. And I'm kind of freaked out because I'm like, this is Texas. Like what if a tornado rolls through here or something? So I'm hoping that I don't hear any si any uh, sirens going off because that might mean that I need to get out of here. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so, uh, Wherever you guys are right now, just take a minute and maybe like shoot me a message at, on Instagram or something like that. I'm at Mitkoka, M-I-T-K-O-K-A. Shoot me a message of where you're listening to this episode. Where are you tuning in from? Uh, this show is as much about business and strategies as it is about travel and having a good time. So I'd love to hear where you guys are at. But all right, with that little intro of where I'm at. Uh, let me dive into the real intro of what this episode's all about. And I'm really, really excited about this interview because it's with Lily Snyder. And Lily is an expert on a field that I think is going to be really, really important to the remote work and location-independent business uh, spaces, and that is virtual reality. You guys have probably all heard about virtual reality uh, by this point, but maybe you don't know that much about it and really how it can impact the remote workspace. And that's what this episode is going to be all about. Lily has built software and products in virtual reality uh, that are specifically for remote workers. So she's built software and all these tools to help remote workers and remote teams uh, function better while they're apart. And that's what we're going to talk about this interview and how, um, not just how those tools are helping right now, but I think much more importantly, like how virtual reality can possibly impact remote work going forward into the future as uh, this technology gets better and better. So with that out of the way, I won't hold you guys back from uh, diving into the interview anymore. So please enjoy this interview with Lily Snyder. All right. Well, uh, Lily, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to do this interview because uh, you're an expert on a topic that I know 
I would say more than most people, but definitely not enough uh, to be happy with myself. So I really want to dive in about virtual reality because I think that this is something that's going to become so huge in the remote space uh, and it's just super interesting to me. Uh, but before we dive into that and your story and, uh, you know, like all the stuff that you're working on, how did you get started in virtual reality in the first place? Definitely. Well, it was kind of a fluke. I was looking to do something new with my career. I felt like I was kind of gotten as far as I could in the company that I was at. And I was talking to an old uh, client of ours who told me that he and some friends were working on a virtual reality company. And so I started um, doing some work for them uh, on the side of my real job and eventually decided that I wanted to leave and uh, go full time at the startup. And at that time, there was just the four of us. So we all became co-founders because when I went over, the company was really, it was just weeks old. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about virtual reality before I left but to join it, but I dove right in and I thought it was just a crazy experience um, in a really good way. So yeah. my, yeah. Now, what was your job before that? What did you do before you started doing that? Yeah, so before VR, I was an IT consultant um, mostly in manufacturing execution systems. So What's I was, that? that's uh, the <laughs> software that like runs inside the plant. So okay. in the manufacturing plant. So uh, what runs uh, on the line, like displaying instructions for operators, mm -hmm. uh, what generates reports for the managers. Uh, it connects with the robots and machines to notify defects or flaws. It can do. Um, tooling, lots, pretty much anything in the plant. So you had like, you already sort of had like a, I would say like a technical background, right? So you, yeah. and you know, the, the tech side of it wasn't, you know, completely new to you. Did you study that in college? Yeah, I studied uh, management information systems in college, but I still, when I graduated though, I didn't know what I wanted to do or like what job titles to look for, right. looking for a job. And uh, the company Atos just happened to email me, and um, they're in Macon, Ohio, one of their offices is. Mm -hmm. It's just outside Cincinnati. And so I was uh, interviewed them, and they're like, we want to give you this job, but you'll have to move out to Washington State for at least a year. <laughs> and I was like, all right, give it to me. <laughs> and... Uh, so that's how I got into IT consulting. So you did yeah. end up living in, in Washington State. What part? Uh, in Renton, just okay. like half an hour south of Seattle. Yeah. How was that? Was, did, you, did you like that area? Oh, it was really fun. I loved yeah. how outdoorsy everyone is out there. And it's just, you know, a couple, like a short drive. You're like in the mountains. And, right. Um, yeah. Like my, my boyfriend, now husband, came out to visit me. And it was like a beautiful day, sunny. Um, we're like, let's go hiking. And so we're driving up into one of the mountains and all of a sudden it's snowing and we get there and all we have is our tennis shoes on and a nice jacket and like a light jacket. And the weather changed so, so much that we like 
still hiking in our tennis shoes, but the snow, like by the end was up to almost our knees and we're like, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> you know, that kind of sounds like the Midwest in a way, because, you know, there's the big joke about how the Midwest of the United States cannot decide, you know, like what, you know, like the weather is for the season. Like one day it can be like sunny and the next day it's like snowing or something like that. So it definitely sounds familiar, but no, I love the West coast. Uh, I haven't been up North yet, but from what I've seen, you know, the northern part of the West Coast, but I've done California, and from what I've seen there, it's it's beautiful. Um, so how long did you stay there uh, and work for that company? Uh, so I was in Washington State for a year and a half, and that's where I was first introduced to this idea of remote work. Um, so since we were consultants, um, all the senior consultants worked from home, and mm-hmm. they would come into the office um, like once or twice a month. But since I was, um, a junior and a couple of them, my coworkers were junior, they wanted us to be on site full time to get up to speed and kind of mm-hmm. learn how everything works. And so while we lived in Washington state, the actual plant was in Mississippi. So okay. I got to go to Mississippi a lot, but after proving myself, after that year and a half, my boss told me that I could live wherever I wanted as long as I was close to an airport. And okay, so, so what what yeah. was that like? Like, what was your first day being a remote worker like? It was pretty exciting. Um, I got to do uh, a little bit of it before, um, like, they would let me work for, like, a week or something at mm-hmm. a time from home, um, well, back in Michigan, but like really being, I, so I chose to go back to Detroit because that's where my boyfriend and all my family were. Right. Um, but like actually having my own apartment all to myself and like getting to set up my office workstation. Right. It was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. Did you did you have any difficulties with making that transition? Uh, not so much because. Even though I worked in the office for so long, uh, our team was national, and even mm. some people were global. So you're still having team members call into conferences. Um, my uh, senior uh, coworkers, they who worked remotely, we got to learn how to do it from watching them to see how they kept it professional while still being from home. So watching other people do it and set the example and the standard um, really taught me how to when I was finally allowed to go work remotely. Yeah, I always say that I think from my experience and what I've seen is that the reason why a lot of companies struggle with remote work or why they don't like remote work is that the company just actually not set up to function that way. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you have one person who wants to be remote and none of the systems and the processes are set up for remote workers, then of course it's going to be really difficult and it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But it sounds like your company, even though you were working in an office, it was already set up and functioning fun- functioning in a way that was friendly to remote workers. So when you decided to move, it wasn't as difficult. Now, what were those lessons you know, can you remember some of the lessons or tips that you learned from those senior staff that you were looking at when they were working remotely? Yeah, it was uh, communication. They were, mm-hmm. uh, when when there was a meeting, a conference call, they were there, uh, they were on time. 
Um, they constantly were, were on IM. We didn't have like mobile, mobile instant messaging wasn't a thing back then really. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we were, so they were connected with, with texting or always online and that constant communication and updating what they were working on, um, was the biggest, uh, positive that I learned. And things what not to do doesn't make a good remote worker is to go off on your own, not tell the rest of the team what you're doing. If your computer dies or your internet goes out or you're not going to be able to make it to a meeting, just not telling anyone because you can easily be forgotten um, if you don't show up. Yeah, I think with with remote work, I I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's a lot of it is over communication, is what I say. Like, you know, I will never say you know that you're doing a bad job if you're pinging me and telling me like, hey, like I just finished this up. I'm like moving on to this, or here's the you know the progress on this thing. Like that's always good because, you know, an employee or a coworker is not just down the hall from you, and you can't just kind of like pop over there and be like, hey, you know what's going on. So that's always yeah. really helpful. Um, so. At what point, so you're working for this company, you're getting to work remotely, and then (laughs) can you tell me a little bit more about that transition in which you helped to co-found the the VR company? Yeah, so I had done, as a consultant uh, for the consulting company, I'd done a lot of different jobs. I'd uh, moved up from a junior business analyst to a project manager, and I was looking for a, a new challenge. Um, so having kind of the more business background and you um, face-to-face with like the end client or end user, I had more of understanding of how to get uh, value from the technology um, from a person stance. So when, I started talking to Matt from Docket Simulations. Um, Which is was, the company that builds the the product, the, the VR yes. product. That, okay, right. Yes, that's the VR company that mm-hmm. builds Rumi. Um, they, uh, they had a developer, um, Albert Perez, and uh, so they were looking for someone who had more of the uh, business knowledge running, more like running projects, running operations, planning, um, planning out how to accomplish all these different mm-hmm. uh, things we wanted to do, uh, interfacing with the customers, um, planning out all the different features. And so that's what uh, my role eventually evolved into uh, at Doghead. So uh, I was, so they didn't have anyone really to kind of organize everything and put structures in place. Mm-hmm. Right. My role. What was your first like? So, what year is this all happening? If if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So that was the end of 2016. Is when I moved over. Yeah. What was your first thought when you kind of got into this whole VR world? Right. Like you don't have a lot of VR experience. Like, had you heard about virtual reality before that? I like heard about it, but never thought about it. It was like a sci-fi concept. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So what was your first experience with actual like virtual reality like? Like what did you think about it? Right. Well, so when I 
what first made me think was, oh, Matt, please let me come work with you guys, okay. was <laughs> he posted on LinkedIn about how to use virtual reality for online Scrum meetings. And Scrum is a part of the agile methodology of uh, everyone coming together once a day for short 15-minute meetings to update the rest of the team on what's happening. And I thought, yes, this is what we need because way too many status update meetings was would be me on a conference call asking someone what they're up to and like radio silence <laughs> or uh, or they would give a really vague answer or maybe they were from another country and they didn't feel confident enough to speak English and they'd rather just IMU but then the rest of the team wouldn't hear what they were doing. So I thought if we could all be in a virtual space together, like, you know, represented as people like avatars, that would make it feel like we were really together. And that would be awesome and bring a lot of value to remote working. So I didn't actually experience VR for the first time until a couple months later when we were accepted to a pitch competition in Beijing, China. Okay. And at the HTC offices there. Yeah. So we were all, um, we got to set up in the offices there and that was the first time I actually got to experience Rumi, the product that I was helping to build. And so what did you think was, when you put the headset on for the first time? Uh, I was just, I think I just had a giant smile on my face and, uh, was amazed. I felt like a little kid, like getting to play Nintendo 64 for the first time. Right, right. Super Smash Bros. or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. When the the like the light came on, it was dark, and then there was like a light, and suddenly I was in a room with objects and uh, model trucks, and mm. I could walk around. And going up the stairs was really trippy because. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't, you know, I was standing on a flat surface. Yeah. So it was mind-blowing, and I knew that this was going to be something that we're all going to be using eventually. That's awesome. Now, I want to find out a little bit about the team and exactly how your company is structured over uh, at Dawhead Simulation. So uh, how many of you guys comprise the company? Mm -hmm. Well, I actually... Um, left Doghead in the spring last year. Okay. So at the time that I was there, there was um, the four of us co-founders mm -hmm. and we were starting to bring on um, people as needed. So I I'm not sure how big the team is now. Yeah. Gotcha. So what are you working on now after Doghead Simulations? Right. So currently I have a, a couple clients who I'm doing some writing for. Uh, mm -hmm. But mostly I'm a full-time mom, which I enjoy. But I'm also, and another point, like where do you go after you do a, after you like co-found a startup? So sure. I feel like I'm in um like maybe a career sabbatical, trying to think about what I want to do next. And um, so that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that's definitely like it. I think it happens often, especially with like people that I've talked to who have like sold companies or anything like that. And they're just kind of like, okay, like I have all these experiences that I'm bringing with me. What's next? You know, so that's, that's definitely 
like a very like normal place to be in. And it can also be a really fun place because you have all these things up ahead of you and all these possibilities. Um, now, okay, so when you guys were setting up the company when you were still with Doghead, what were some of the processes that you guys had in place to make sure that you guys were working well together? Because uh, I, I was, from what I understand, you guys were all remote, correct? Yeah, we're all remote. Um, some of us uh, were in, were back up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I was in Tennessee, and then a couple of the guys uh, were in Orlando. Mm. Um, so, what we do, um, we would talk. We had a constant. Um, I am going, but to make sure we're all on the same page for features and tracking their status versus what you know customers would expect. That's what we had more of this. The more traditional tools like a project management um, tracker using. What did Trello. you use? Oh, Trello. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And we kept the. Uh, agile methodology and ran sprints. So using classic development methodologies and um, Trello boards or uh, Atlassian Jira, we use them too, helps mm-hmm. to keep everything in the open where the whole team can see it and you know where tasks or goals weren't hiding in the dark. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Now, when in the early days when you guys were you know, kind of starting everything up and, and, and building up the company, what were some of the difficulties that you guys ran into? And how did you guys solve those? Right. Well, the biggest difficulty is no one knew what virtual reality was. So a lot of it was educating our customers on what VR was and what specific areas could it provide real value to their business. So you're not going to go in and be like, oh, VR can solve all your needs right mm-hmm. off the bat. Because first, we had just a small prototype at the time. And second, you needed to start small with a customer so that it could prove it out and get more buy-in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was um, ha- uh, facing kind of the normal challenges of someone going in with a new software product. Right. Um, Education. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Gotcha. And, yeah. So can you, now we've kind of danced around the product a little bit, and we've mentioned Rumi a little bit here and there. Can you uh, describe exactly what Rumi is and, and how it works and what the goal with it was? Definitely. So it started off uh, to be a tool to help remote agile scrum teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we had, we, so we worked on what um, tools do remote scrum teams use, uh, building integrations into them in a way that makes sense in a 3D world. So you can build integrations into virtual reality, but the question is, okay, how do we take all this software that's meant for a 2D screen and have it make sense suddenly in a 3D world? Because it doesn't make too much sense to be in virtual reality just to stand around and look at a flat screen Mm -hmm. right so i think these are some of the challenges that um today virtual reality still has to vr companies still have to figure out um because there's quite a few uh companies out there um 
and products, Rumi being one of them. But I think there's like big screen and alt space and rec room. There's there's a lot more now, mm-hmm. but a lot you'll see um, avatars standing in front of a screen. But for work specifically, I'm not sure that that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. I think we're still having to experiment and find out, okay, does having a document review meeting in VR make the most sense? Mm. Well, maybe not if you want to be typing and you're just looking at text. Mm -hmm. But what I do think VR is good for is it opens up remote work to uh, companies or industries that it wouldn't have made sense before because you can replicate whole environments or products and actually run tests and get analysis from them um, that you wouldn't be able to just on a 2D screen. So I think, yeah, I think there's one company, Lamazoo, um, that they, I think, do mine simulations, like for mining companies. So um, I'm pretty sure it was like, so upper management could go into VR and see a 3D replication of the mine and like the current status it is without actually having to go to like a dangerous mining environment. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that that for sure has a lot of applications. That's really interesting. So right now, Rumi is basically you get to you put on the headset, right? Like help mm-hmm. walk me through this because I'm not sure. the biggest VR person. You know, like I'm 25, okay. so I, I get it just because like, you know, like I, I've been around like some of the stuff, but I'm not a huge VR user. So essentially what I would do okay. is I would put on the headset, right? And I would go into the yeah. software. And I would be in a room, right, where I can kind of like interact with everything. And I would be able to see all my team members there as avatars, correct? Right, yeah. So when you, uh, so you open Rumi, you can, on your desktop, you can customize your avatar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in virtual reality, you enter a lobby space. And so Rumi now is good for. Um, I think they're focusing on for meetings or like education, like classroom Mm. training. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you can uh, if you're the meeting host, you can customize what type of room you're looking for, Mm. like open space for uploading models and collaboration or uh, more like an auditorium room where you'd like everyone to be looking around, uh, looking forward to the front Mm. of the room. So you go in into a lobby area, and from there, depending uh, where your meeting is, you will be uh, teleported to that room or choose to virtually walk over mm. to that room. So what sort yeah. of tools do I have at my disposal when I'm in the room? Because uh, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the ways that I see this being used, like for example, in the company that I work for, uh, we're a media agency called Apsos. And we sometimes have to meet up in person to kind of brainstorm and really do like the, okay, like where do we want the company to be in six months? Where do we want it to be in a year or so on and so forth? And I can really see this being helpful in those sort of situations. Uh, And when we do meet up in person to do that sort of thing, we usually have, you know, like whiteboards and there's like lots of papers that are getting ripped up and like that kind of stuff, you know, kind of brainstorming. So Mm -hmm. are there tools within Rumi that, or other uh, platforms like that that allow me to do that kind of in in virtual reality definitely yeah so Rumi has 
uh, has a whiteboard mm-hmm. for drawing, has a model loader so you can upload models, um, audio, video, mm-hmm. um, and you can scale and move around and interact with that. And I think they have like 3D drawings so you aren't stuck oh, to just cool. trying to draw on a flat space. Right. Now, am I communicating with my team members like audio like we are right now or is it all text-based? Um, they would be no nope, you would be hearing hearing your uh, hearing your coworkers. And VR is cool because it uses spatial audio, I think it's called. So as you walk closer to someone, as you virtually walk closer to someone, they become their voice becomes louder to you. And if you walk further away from them, then their voice becomes softer. Oh, so, cool. So if I yeah. don't want to hear my boss or something, I can just kind of walk away into the corner of the VR room and, you know, not yeah. really hear them. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Of course, then they'll see you standing in the corner like, hey, what's up with Miko? <laughs> oh, right, right. So that actually leads into something that I've had a discussion with a friend of mine before where I actually think, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. Do you think there is a negative to virtual reality in terms of remote work, right? Because I think a lot of people that I speak to now love remote work because they get a certain freedom from their boss in it, right? They can do their work away from it. They don't have anybody looking over their shoulder. Uh, They don't need to clock in from this hour to this hour as long as the work gets done, right? If VR becomes much more of the norm in remote work situations, do you think there's a possibility where you know, kind of managers and bosses fall into the old, you know, not a lot of trust in saying, hey, your avatar better be there or I know that you're not doing the work, right? What do you think about that? Right. Well, I think virtual reality is a tool and like any tool, it can be abused. Um, I read read an article in the Project Management Institute. There's a study done on what makes remote teams effective. Hmm. And something that's different for remote teams or more specific for them is a sense of shared leadership. Mm-hmm. So even if you're working in a team and you have a project manager, um, if that project manager needs um, is gonna have a more successful team if they uh, help share the leadership. So mm-hmm. if I say, hey, Nico, I know this is your area of expertise. I have to track share, track and make sure it's getting done, but I know you can help me with that and you can make sure that, you know, everyone else is, is helping you get what you need. And mm-hmm. then that empowers you, whether you're in virtual reality or just on the other side of a Skype call. Mm-hmm. So, and that will hopefully um, make the team work better. Huh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I, I think you're right about, you know, it is a tool like everything else, and it, and it can be misused uh, depending on the team. How do you, you know, we're all kind of, I, f- I feel like VR is still in the stage where it's really cool, and it's starting to get to a point where um, it's usable. It's more, uh, I think, accessible to, to more people. How do you see this, you know, r- let's say five years from now, ten years from now, we're talking about virtual reality and remote work. How does that how does the virtual reality affect remote work 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting and we might not know yet. Um, what do you say? Might, that? Because we, 
So there's a lot of different immersive technologies. There's augmented reality, uh, mixed reality, virtual reality. Uh, people are still defining what these mean um, <laughs> and what they are now versus what they could be. So I just finished reading uh, Augmented Human by Helen Papaginis, and her book was all about what is augmented reality and what can it do for us. Mm -hmm. And you might have seen like on Twitter, YouTube, like a Pokemon Go type thing right. where there's a some kind of digital picture or image on top of your reality. Mm. But but augmented reality means so much more than that. It could be a sensor in your clothes that um, maybe restricts you a little bit uh, if you're near someone that feels uncomfortable so that you can oh feel that they're feeling uncomfortable. Mm. And so, or they could be the glasses that have overlays of, to show you where to go. So mm. maybe we maybe we don't need to work in virtual reality in the future, but maybe we have clothes that ping us or beef us or constrict us depending on how our coworkers or our client on the other side of the phone is feeling. Mm. Because maybe you're texting someone and you don't really understand, you know, a lot gets lost in text. Yeah, right. Maybe you can feel how they're actually feeling about your work, literally. So we might have a lot more options than just um, than virtual reality. Five mm. to ten years will be interesting. Yeah. I definitely want to return to this whole AR mixed reality VR thing because I think I understand what they all are, but I definitely need to clarify. Uh, but what you just brought up made me think about something else, which is, you know, a lot of remote workers feel lonely or they, they talk about a sense of loneliness about working remotely, not being around people, not being around mm -hmm. the rest of the team. Do you mm -hmm. think that there is an aspect of virtual reality within remote work that can help that? Yeah. When you're in VR, well, when I'm in VR, I definitely feel like, okay, I'm, I'm with the other people that are in here. We're giving each other high fives. Um, I'm able to see their mouths moving, their virtual mouths wow, moving okay. when they talk. If they walk, you know, virtually walk up to me, I, I feel that presence, even though I'm just an avatar. Mm -hmm. um, so I, definitely feel after being in a meeting or get together in VR, I feel more like I, I have that social connection than mm -hmm. just with on a computer or phone call. Cause I read, I heard on another podcast talking about why are, are people in general lonely or feeling mm -hmm. depressed, even though we're on social media all the time and yeah. we think we're being social but our brain doesn't actually register reading a comment from someone mm. or seeing a like as as a social interaction. Right. So actually being having presence, which virtual reality gives us, can actually make us feel really less lonely. Wow, that's awesome. Well, okay, let's return real quick to the whole AR MR. Can you say MR for mixed reality is that is that yeah. a correct term? Okay, so I, I understand. So. Okay, well, if it's not, we just made it up, it's, and 
you know, yeah. it can be known as we made it up here. So yeah, it's, I it's know, yeah. there you go. So I know AR, which is augmented reality, is you gave uh, the example of Pokemon Go, right? Where you're kind of using your camera and you're seeing, you know, everything around you as it is, but it's sort of superimposing uh, a mm-hmm. digital image on top, right? And virtual right. reality is more immersive, which is what we're talking about with Rumi. I think where the difficulty or confusion for me comes in is what is mixed reality and how does that work? Right. Um, well, that's what Microsoft is trying to tackle with their HoloLens. So um, they described, I heard a talk by two guys, two people who worked on the HoloLens, and they described mixed reality is um, a whole, as more of a spectrum. So it could be Let's say it could be you, like physical you, but you're surrounded by a virtual environment when you wear mm. the HoloLens. It turns everything else around you uh, digital except for the people. Okay. Or um, So any kind of level changing. So Or maybe like the audio is different. Like maybe you can hear certain things spatially even though you're just in your – like kitchen. Um, and what so is then, the what is the what is the value of that versus like full virtual reality? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we need to see like where we are physically or have a physical product. Like, let's say you have a physical pro- prototype you have, but you want to test it in three different environments. And so maybe you can put a couple of sensors on it, put on your HoloLens. It will change uh, if you're like, let's say you have a shoe, you could put uh, some sensors on it, put on your HoloLens, and you could see how maybe it works in the rain, uh, sand, or mud. Mm. And you could get that feedback even though you're just in your lab without actually having to create, physically create rain and mud and grass. And do you think that this will open up remote work to more people? Like more disciplines, like more different, the different types of jobs? I definitely do. I think that, um, because we're no longer, we'll no longer be bound to our computer screens and the TV. We can, um, interact in a three dimensional world around us. Um, I think we'll start seeing that more and like training and testing areas. But I think the more creative people get and the more that I like how Helen describes um, AR and hopefully VR is that the technology like takes a step back to help so that humans mm. can tell their stories first. Okay. And I think right now VR is people are still getting used to it to the tech, to learning how to do it. But once it's um, the hardware itself becomes easier to use and people are able to use it more often, then they'll be empowered to create um, their own virtual experiments and worlds. And that creativity and storytelling will definitely open up remote work to more people because you'll be able to do more. Sure, sure. Now, a lot of the people who um, are listening to this podcast and um, are interested in this, uh, at least my audience, are what are called digital nomads, right? So these are people who like to travel and work from anywhere in the world. 
how do you see that sort of person using VR? Like, does that mean that we're going to have to have a headset that we're also going to have to carry on our backpacks when we go to co-working spaces? You know, when, when you think about this sort of person in, in VR, how do you see that playing out? Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully, the hardware is rapidly improving, getting smaller and more powerful. Um, there are a lot of standalone headsets out there. Um, I think the Oculus Go is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that all you need is the headset. You don't need a computer or anything oh, else wow. to, or, you know, different um, tracking boxes to see where you are. So putting um, the headphone in your backpack would just be like throwing in your headphones. Like, mm-hmm. So throwing it in the headset, you mean, like, would be like the headphones. Yeah, just kind of put it in right. there and go. Yeah. And then hopefully, uh, I think something headsets need, if, if people really want VR to start being used in public is that you can put a tracker or something on your purse or on your backpack so that the headset mm. can warn you if someone else is coming too close right. and trying to take stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's now that I'm thinking about this, I just imagine, right, like a room f- in a co-working space full of people who are all like swinging their arms around doing stuff kind of could be dangerous. But do you see this as a possibility where like a co-working space would invest in, in you know, like VR headsets and have that as we have like Skype booths or call booths now to actually have people go in and use that and to participate in team meetings? I do. Uh, in okay. fact, that was uh, at the time I left, that was one of the things that um, Doghead was working with some of the local co-working spaces in Seattle to start implementing VR. That's so, so that's cool. happening. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, I know that you're not involved with Doghead anymore, but I, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, if, for example, uh, I wanted to go out and start using this today. What are the costs associated with it? Uh, and what do I sort of need to get rolling? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can get the Oculus Go. It's about $200. You can get it okay. from like Best Buy or um, Amazon probably. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the software is um, free to get started. A lot of it's on a subscription, um, some's on a subscription basis, but games you'd have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, so really the upfront cost is the hardware and then any games or if you want to um, upgrade like how many people you can meet within a room or meet with in an experience you might have to pay for in certain softwares. Wow, so, that's awesome. I'm yeah, super it's come ex- down a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Was it like $1,000 at first or something like that? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was closer to two thousand, like a couple years ago, and like the uh, the, the, the hand he- controllers were yeah. sold separately. So you're like, okay, okay I need a headset, the light boxes, the hand controllers, and nice headphones. <laughs> yeah, but, I remember when like plasma screens came out at first, and it was like five thousand dollars for this like TV that you can now go buy for like a hundred, two hundred bucks or something like that. Right, so right. yeah. Do you think that this is going to, from your experience, do you think that the price is, conti- is going to continue to drop? Like, do you see this where one day, instead of it being, you know, $200 for a headset, it's 50 Or do you think that just the tech is so, you know, intense that it's never going to drop to that price? Mm-hmm. No, I think it'll keep coming down. But that's actually an interesting question because I recently read um, 
in the Inc. magazine that Moore's Law, mm -hmm. which... Um, the compounding which, effects of tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's actually no longer... Um, that it's dead because we've gotten as small as we can. So now companies will have to uh, innovate again to build processors and tr transistors that are uh, fast and powerful enough to really run um, VR and AR experiences. So I think maybe we'll, once that happens and that, mm -hmm. that next innovation happens, then we'll still start seeing powerful, more powerful gear that's cheaper and more streamlined over time. But hmm. it's going to be an interesting next decade. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go check out that article because that's really interesting. Um, but anyways, I wanted to say thank you for being on the show. Uh, I think this was a really awesome conversation. I definitely learned a lot. Now, before we go, um, is there anywhere that people can come and read more about what you do and you know your projects and what's up ahead for you? Definitely. My website is lilyotron.blog, and you can also say hi to me on Twitter at lilyotron. So that's okay. where I'm at. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lily, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. <laughs>